2: Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish Podcast.
0: It's the Fulhamish Podcast, your independent voice of Fulham FC. My name is Sammy James. Welcome to the show. Today we're going to be previewing Saturday's trip to the Seaside. As we face of looking to get things back on track. Also, in part two, we're going to be speaking to Tifo's John McKenzie, who has done a new video on the Tifo IRL YouTube channel, looking at Fulham's underlying numbers. So we got John on uh, to explain a little bit more uh, about what he found. We've also got your emails and then some this will catch on entries at the end. Today is a strictly Man United, what happened in that game, free zone. If you want some analysis of what happened at Old Trafford, the last two podcasts that we did, the Disbelief of Suspension and the Mother's Day's Cards podcast have got you covered. But today we are looking forward and there's no talk of that game. I am joined by one part of the Thursday Club today, Jack Collins. Hello. Hello, Sammy. How you doing? I'm good. Thanks, mate. Um, eagle-eyed listeners, eagle-eared listeners, I should say, um, Will notice no Peter Rutzler today. Uh, people might have seen Peter's news that he's going to be covering uh, PSG uh, for the Athletic until the end of the season. I am pleased to say, though, that Peter will be on the podcast a little bit less frequently than he is, but he's still going to be on the Thursday Club as and when he can uh, this year. Um, but this week he is busy moving to Paris. So, hence why it is just myself and Jack today. Uh, Jack, we uh, actually saw each other last night, didn't we? We went over to the, uh, the Toka social for uh, for a little bit of a Fulhamish night out which was
2: fun it was good was good good to kick a ball about um, nice to come out on top of that as well so you know it's nice to you know, stay, just get those moments where you see yourself at the top of the leaderboard good vibes
0: did you come out on top is that strictly true I believe it is yeah I'm not 100% sure you came out on top in everything. You, you did all right. Um, we were invited down by a, a guy called Alex, uh, who is a Fulham fan, and he runs this thing called Toka Social, which is a bit like, if you've seen like Flight Club for darts, or if you've seen Sixes, which is the cricket kind of experience thing. So it's kind of one of those football, virtual football games, uh, where you basically kick a football against a giant screen and you have to hit objects. Um, it's at the O2. It's very fun. Alex invited us down. He didn't want to mention on the podcast. He just did it because he's a Fulhamish and he really enjoys the pod and he fancied giving us a night out however um love to repay the favor just by giving toka and Alex uh, a shout out so thank you very much uh Alex and all the team at toka for uh for having us down there last night yeah, it was a lot of fun um, and to be honest I'd have paid all the money uh to watch Jack Kelly uh spoon uh all those footballs and go out in the first round uh, like he did uh, all over again because that was the uh, that was the highlight of the night wasn't it jack
2: it was indeed a real joy to you know just to see it in in real action. Jack Kelly with a swazer of a left foot, who knew? <laughs> um, just, yeah. just so 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 much swazer that it kept going wide of the screen. <laughs> um, but it was it was, it was quite
0: something to behold. Yeah, it was indeed. All right, mate, let's get into, um, well, first of all, a little bit of an international roundup, a pretty quiet international break as far as Fulham players are concerned. However, one player who broke the mould in that regard, Bobby Decordova-Reed, with the goal of his life at the Azteca Stadium to put Jamaica in front in the CONCACAF Nations League. I mean, Jack... Wow. Imagine the feeling of doing that in the sixth minute, uh, a volley from 30 yards right into the top bins to put Jamaica in front at the iconic Azteca stadium. I was so pleased when I saw that on, uh, I think it was Monday morning or Tuesday morning by the time that uh, I saw that.
2: Yeah, it was, it's an absolutely cracking goal. Um,
0: If anyone hasn't seen it,
2: very much worth checking out. It's on our Twitter, Um, but also just the highlights from that game generally quite fun anyway, uh, didn't quite fully go to plan for Jamaica, um, sadly, in the fact that it, it, they needed really to win in order to qualify for the semi-finals uh, of the Nations League finals. So um, a little bit of a shame that they couldn't, they couldn't see it out. But generally, uh, what a goal. Uh, and it's an unbeaten campaign. For Jamaica, you know they've they've obviously played Mexico twice and Suriname twice as well. Um, but I think genuinely to go through that campaign unbeaten, obviously there's work to do. I think generally if you if you look at it, but I've drawn twice with Mexico in this in this league, and I think that it looks like things are on the up for Bobby and Jamaica. So I think I'm excited generally. I think for the for the new for the World Cup qualification campaign that kicks off in, in not too long, especially considering that the US, Canada, and Mexico are all already qualified. I think Jamaica have a real good shot of, of being the fourth nation from CONCACAF, making it there. And I'm sure Bobby Reid will be a massive part of that.
0: Yeah, no. Uh, well done to uh, to Bobby. Uh, it's great to see him kind of eke out uh, an international career for himself as well. You um, know, made the move over to, to Jamaica uh, in terms of his international representation, and um, yeah, he's going from uh, strength to strength. What a season he's had! Generally, you know, all those starts in the Premier League really established himself in the first team. I think, and not a lot of us thought he would really. Um, but yeah, he just continues to uh, surprise everyone uh, this season. Other than that, Jack, um, well, Sasa Lukic got an assist for, uh, for Serbia in their uh, two nil win over, over Montenegro, uh, a local Derby. Uh, definitely. <laughs> they used to be one nation uh, not so long ago. Um, Alexander Mitrovic did play quite a lot of the game, um, but uh, he, he was actually very close to scoring. Didn't he did a lovely bit yeah. of skill. Um kind Of did his classic uh jinking and swirling inside the box, but just hit it wide uh in, in that game, so yeah, nice to see Sasa Lukic get an assist as well.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, you know, normally I'd be sitting here complaining about the fact that Mitrovic played so many minutes, but considering he's about to miss the next couple of games, I yeah. feel like it's, it's not quite as big a, a deal as, as it is. Um, yeah, so that was that was good. Um, I think Mitrovic and Lukic started both games for Serbia. Yeah. Um there's a couple of others. Uh, Dan, Dan James has got an assist.
0: Yes, but he gotten did. Forgotten man,
2: Dan James uh, managed to get an assist. He also very nearly picked out a Harry Wilson winner. Um, there, was, there was a really nice bit of play between the two of them. They both started uh, and there was a couple of moments where, where they sort of found each other across the pitch that they looked very nice. Uh, generally quite a lot going on in, in that regard. And I thought that both of them played really well actually, um, in terms of... James was just about probably shades it, but both played really well, which is nice. Um, Mana Solomon, obviously last night, bad vibes. They were battered by Switzerland. Um, But Kosovo drew nil-nil. So actually, I think Israel still have a fairly good chance of qualifying out of that group. Uh, And he did get an assist in his other game, if I'm not mistaken. And then also... Joao got a lovely assist for Bernardo Silva uh, for Portugal in their 6-0 win. So generally, I just think that lots to, lots to be positive about from this international break. A lot of players playing well. A lot of a lot of people do. I think Pellinho got his first international start for two years, or the best part of two years. So he's obviously earned that. And there's a new manager in in Roberto Martinez, who's the new Portugal manager who might well look to him to be the the rock that he based on which he builds his church, if you will. So lots to like, and I think everybody, you know, has has had a good international breaks as far as we're concerned. Uh, and that's got to be a good thing.
0: Yeah. The, the other interesting one, uh, Reem and Robinson uh, played for, for the U S they're now going to be at the Nations league finals, which is in Vegas in June, which considering how much football Reeman and Robinson have played. Now they've got more football in June. I know there's another international break after the season as well, but um, yeah, we need to get Reeman and Robinson on a beach ASAP.
2: Yes. Yeah. Well, you know, this is it. They get to go to Vegas for a month. Enjoy it. Ride it in. It'll be fine. It's going to be okay. Um, and obviously, Auntie Robinson put out a lovely Instagram post about basically thanking the fans. I think they've, they're unbeaten in Florida, the US again, you know, so I think that's their, their fifth game in the row they've won in in Florida, so things are things are going nicely in that regard, and yes it's yes, it's two extra games, but it is only two extra games It's right at the end of the season it's while before they'll be on holiday. I think it'll be just about okay
0: yeah exactly um and and anyway, as we've learned from reem, he's a machine, he just keeps on going season after season he's going to be playing into his fifties and still uh Putting uh, Premier League strikers in his pocket. Right, let's have a look then at Bournemouth on Saturday, Jack. And I cannot work out Bournemouth at all. There's some teams who you look at and I'm like, you win some games at home, you lose some games at home, you win some games away, you lose some games away, you go 2 0 up at Arsenal, but then you lose it, but then you go and beat Liverpool, then you surrender meekly to Villa. I mean, at the end of the day, they are picking up wins every now and again, which is a good position for a team fighting relegation to be in. However, some games they can just blow up and, and roll over. Um, they're going to look, though, th- at this one, Jack, with no Willian, no Mitrovic, I guess kind of no silver for all the difference that makes, and think they've got a massive opportunity on, on Saturday to get three points. However, I still just think that this Fulham team will have the bit between their teeth for Saturday and will really want to prove something, particularly those that have been kind of caged up at Motspur Park for two weeks and desperate probably to, uh, to right some wrongs.
2: Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Um, you have to go back to really the last day of last year, 31st December to look at them losing a home game that maybe they should, they felt that they shouldn't lose, which was their two nil defeat to, to Crystal Palace since then. You kind of look at it. They've drawn one all with Forest. They've drawn one all with Newcastle. Yes, they got beaten of of Man City, but shrug. And then yeah, they went and beat they'll beat Liverpool. So they'll be looking at that as a home record and thinking that's not bad. You know that that that's that's okay. And as you say, you know, as a team scrapping at the bottom of the table against relegation. That's that's an okay home record. And, you know, what, what we'll hear from John later on, though, is that Fulham are better against teams in the bottom half of the table. And it's going to be very interesting to see how Silver lines this team up. Um, you'd imagine Manus Solomon comes in, you know, in, in Willian's place. And then you'd imagine that Carlos Vinicius comes in to lead the line, so it's going to be it's going to be intriguing to see what the options are like on the bench. Is is forgotten man Dan James going to make a return to the bench? Maybe we'll, maybe we'll see him kicking about. But it just feels like Bournemouth have just sort of settled a little bit more than, than perhaps that they had done in, in previous weeks. We saw them against Villa play basically four centre backs and then like two. Wide players who can double up as wing backs against them, and it just didn't work at all. But generally, I think over the last few weeks, this Bournemouth side have uh, have improved. You know, they they've managed to to work out exactly how they're going to batten down the hatches in the in those kind of areas. Philip Billing's been given that lease to get further forward, and we know that he's a threat in the air. That we know that there's that connection with Solanke already. Uh, Rothwell and Lerma have built up a nice little partnership in the middle of the park. I think Marcus and who was a player that I looked at in the summer that Bournemouth signed and thought, yeah, I would have liked that one. Um, he, he seems to have finally started to to stamp his authority on things at the back. And you look at this team now, Watter is going to be a problem, I think, going forward. He, he, he's a really, really good footballer. He's, he was excellent at Lorient, um, and, and, which was the reason that Bournemouth signed him. But he can make things happen out of nothing. He has yeah. the capacity to to blind, to dazzle and to frustrate in equal measure. He's the kind of player who'll beat three men and dribble the ball out of play. He's also the kind of player that can beat five men and, and score on his own when, when things go his way. So they've got players here who can cause problems. They seem to have settled on a more defensively minded back four. You know, we've seen Lloyd Kelly sort of shoved out to left back, Senesi and Stevens in the middle and, and Adam Smith at right back. You know, is, this is that's quite sort of, Hard, hard-nosed hard defensive mm. unit, if you will. Um, and and I think that when you kind of look at Bournemouth as a whole, I see Gary O'Neill is not the person that I think most Bournemouth fans would want to have in charge at this point. I've heard them described as having a Ferrari and uh, giving the keys to someone who cannot drive uh, by a Bournemouth fan in in recent weeks. But they seem to have got something going, at the very least, where, where it's starting to find a little bit of balance especially at home and i think this is going to be a tricky task here yeah,
0: yeah that, i remember that quote i was uh, i was on the overlap which uh, i was on by uh, tom from the back of the net uh, bournemouth youtube channel and uh, it was a a beautiful analogy it went down very well uh, in the room at the uh, at the time tom uh, back of the net generally a uh, really good place uh, for any kind of bournemouth previews this weekend uh tom and uh Tom and uh, Sam do a fantastic job uh, on on that YouTube channel. Um, I mean, from a Fulham perspective, Jack, you kind of mentioned it there that um, Carlos Vinicius surely is the one that comes in. We don't think that Marco's going to go with the old false nine experiment, Bobby Reed. uh, Do you think that that ship sailed? It seems to me sensible to surely give Vinicius the chance to prove himself six games, assuming that's what the ban is, um, to, to prove what he can do. I don't think it's necessarily sailed, um, but I think it's definitely not
2: the move for this exact moment, especially when Carlos Vinicius has been at Motspur Park for two weeks and Bobby's been wandering around representing Jamaica halfway Uh. across the world. I I can't see him... Sticking Bobby straight back in after coming back from international duty as a false nine. So I would suggest that Vinicius will start this weekend. Um, I don't think it's dead in the water. If we if we have three games here where it really does look like it's not working, I think Marcus will switch it up. But for now, I'd imagine that he goes down the more traditional route in terms of replacing Alexander Mitrovic with Carlos Vinicius.
0: Yeah, exactly. And then uh, I guess Mana Solomon coming in for Willian uh, as a kind of like-for-like replacement that uh, that makes a lot of sense um, on the left. I guess, Jack, the problem is going to be finding a way to break down this Bournemouth team. You would look, surely if you're Bournemouth, you'll see that it's Vinicius up top and not Mitrovic. You'll think, keep this solid, stop Fulham from scoring and then try and get get a goal and, and, and for straight Fulham. So Fulham are just going to have to find ways to, you know, make some creativity despite it not being Mitch up top.
2: Yeah. I'd start Harry Wilson for what it's worth. I know he hasn't been particularly brilliant this season. I know that he's, he's struggled getting back to full fitness, but I think in a game where Bournemouth are going to sit off the ball, where we're going to see them tuck back and especially where they're, Left back is a centre back masquerading as a left back. I would like to see Harry Wilson in here just for that ability to strike it from distance and cause cause problems. It's not necessarily that he's going to score from thirty yards, but I'd like to you know those things where you know you get a parry or a deflection and it ends up with a scramble in the box. I think that if Bournemouth are going to sit off in the way that they have done of late and, and try and force Fulham into strikes from distance, I'd want Wilson on the pitch because I think that his long distance ball striking is amongst the best that we have in the squad. So yeah, it's just a a thought on that. It's it's not going to be easy, but I'd like to see Harry Wilson get a nod up top.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I guess it's at that point of the season now, Jack, where Marcus Silver will probably rotate a little bit, maybe experiment a tad, although there are still ambitions to hit. And it's not like the seasons a write off by any stretch of the imagination. He has got a squad and it's probably wise to, to kind of use it a little bit more over the next few games, especially now his kind of hands are tied with regards to Mitrovic's upcoming suspension and other kind of factors within the season. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've spoken a little bit about how we think
2: that Luke Harris might get used towards the end of the season. I think that's not going to be quite yet. If it does come, it's going to be sort of last five games. If the European dream is completely dead by that point, that's when I think that we might see a little bit more of Harris. But for now, I think that he's got to rotate within his first team or at least his preferred sort of 16. And, And we'll see a little bit of change here and there trying to make things happen towards the end of the season you know there are there is the scope here to to have a go so I don't think there's any kind of harm in in allowing a few players off the leash allowing them to have their moment I, I'd imagine we'll see a little bit more rotation than what we've seen before although if Marcus silver does get an extended touchline ban obviously it's going to be difficult in order to make those substitutions at that, that the times they are that that then falls on on Luba and morte and it's going to be very different in terms of to see what his instructions are, should we say? You know, uh, is he going to be given free reign to make subs whenever he wants? I don't know. I'm not yeah. quite sure how that pans out, but I think that it's going to be interesting to to see what goes down in regards to how the substitutions are affected within the tenure of Bomote as as basically number one on the sidelines.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, we don't know quite what the ban is going to be at the time of recording for Marco and Mitro. It might be out by the time that you're listening to this, but uh, Fulham have requested a personal hearing with the FA uh, over the last week's charges against Marcus Silva and Alexander Mitrovic. I know I promised it was going to be uh, a podcast where we didn't talk about that at all, but I I just thought I'd uh, slip that in. Um, Just before I finish part one, by the way, uh, just to say that at the moment uh, in the Fulhamish shop, uh, we're trying to get rid of uh, all of our remaining uh, t-shirts uh, that have are uh, left and posters as well. We've got just a smattering of um, different sizes and colours in limited, really. But we'd like to get rid of as many as we can in the next uh, week or so. So we're doing a forty percent sale, uh, basically, um, on everything in the shop. Everything must go, as they uh, as they say on the high street. Uh, if you use the discount code FISH forty, capital letters no spaces, just Fish40 when you get to the checkout. You can get 40% off some beautiful Jozo collection t-shirts and posters and uh, there's a few Fulhamish mugs and Fulhamish t-shirts knocking around. Honestly, it's basically going at cost price. We just want to get rid of it. So if you fancy picking yourself up a bargain, there's some beautiful stuff in there. Uh, Just go to Fulhamish.co.uk forward slash shop and use the discount code Fish40. Uh, We would love to uh, get rid of some of it uh, before the summer. Right, we're going to take a break there. Afterwards, we're going to speak to John McKenzie from Tifo. Hello, it's Sammy here. Now, if you're looking for a VPN to watch football matches and TV shows which aren't available in your region, or maybe you're looking to save money by purchasing subscriptions from other countries at a cheaper price, then we've got an amazing deal with NordVPN where you can get a massively discounted rate plus 4 free months by heading to nordvpn.com/fullamish. Now, I genuinely use NordVPN loads. Uh, for instance, back in October, I was in America for the Aston Villa game which was on Amazon prime now i have a subscription to amazon prime but obviously i was in the states so i simply logged on to nordvpn Switched my country back to the UK and I was able to watch the lads leave Steven Gerrard's managerial career in tatters. A subscription to NordVPN is the price of a cup of coffee a month and you can use one account on up to six devices. So grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com slash to get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan plus four additional months all for free. Best of all, it's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. You can find all the details at NordVPN
2: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of
0: America NA, a member FDSE. Part two of the Fulhamish podcast is Sammy here with Jack Collins, and we are joined by John McKenzie from TIFO. John, how are you doing?
1: Really good. Thanks. How are you
0: doing? Yeah, not bad. Thank you. Lovely to have you on. Um... Uh, John uh, and uh, knows Jack and I from various things. Uh, Jack does a lot of uh, athletic videos with John and I play Thursday football with John. Uh, he's on my team, the Reds. A uh, uh, general Gattuso, uh, rolling around midfield, just breaking up play, being an ultimate shithouse, occasionally cracking one in off the bar from 30 yards. Um, so yeah, John, uh, lovely to have you on uh, Fulhamish today. And we want to discuss uh, your video, which you put out last week, looking at uh, Fulham's underlying, numbers and it's something that we've spoken about a bit on this pod about um it's generally uh we we see it in the distance of oh fulham are uh, overperforming their numbers uh this season and a lot of people just roll their eyes and go yeah well look we're we're ninth in the league we don't care um but you kind of dug a bit deeper and managed to find maybe some of the reasons why that is happening and um yeah, it's very interesting. So um, without giving away everything that's in the video, would you like to give maybe a, a quick synopsis of, uh, of what you found?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's worth saying, as you mentioned there, that when it comes to the underlying numbers, they are always just predictive in some sense. It's, it's not really that interesting, as you say, if you're comfortably going to finish mid-table, um, as Fulham are to, to then say, well, you know, in the long run, this isn't necessarily sustainable, um, because your plan coming up this season was to stay up the season and that's very much what you're going to do. So that's by way of, of context. I, I do think that sometimes people can over exaggerate, uh, the underlying numbers. Um, but yeah, I, what, one of the things that I found the more that I, I work in this area is that as you dig into a lot of underlying numbers, there's always more context that can give you a better sense of, of what's going on. Um. The, you know, the, the old line is football isn't played on spreadsheets and there's an extent to which that's true. If you if you watch the tape, you can get an, a good understanding of where um, weaknesses are in a team. You can try and see where those underlying numbers are coming from as well. But as I've done in this video, I was, I was kind of interested in the fact that Fulham seemed really, really good against teams in the bottom half of the table and... Uh, defensively, at least, really not very good against teams in the top half. So, um, for for people who understand expected goals, um, for the majority of teams, I think in the top six this season, you've conceded around two xg in in pretty much every game, which is a lot of chance chances and, and quality of chances to be conceding, um, which I think. Uh, explains why the, those numbers look so bad. Um, I think a, a lot of Fulham fans like to say to me though, there's been go- games where we've you know, narrowly lost right at the end uh, against top six sides. But again, if you look at the numbers, it does suggest that um, the, the, there is a, an issue there. So that was what I did in the video. And I, I suppose my conclusion from that is that um, I explained a little bit why I think those numbers are coming against big sides. And I think it's because you guys are quite aggressive in the way that you press even against top six, uh, six sides as well. So um, there's not really too much concern to differentiate the way that you're playing your high press against top half of the table sides and bottom half of the table sides. And it's clearly working very well against teams in the bottom half of the table because it is it is hard to evade those sorts of high presses. But against the top half teams, they've, they're just much better set up to be able to exploit those situations. So I think the, the positive to take away is that there's a very clear sense of what Fulham need to improve to to maybe get better results against the, the the top half teams, but the the most important thing I think is that you're clearly. The, one of the better sides amongst the teams in the bottom half which is all you need to be right in order to stay up um, maybe maybe the counter to uh, Jesse Marsh's Leeds United who were, were quite good against teams in the top half but against teams around them they weren't able to to do it and the problem with that I think is that it, it's much easier to play well against the top half side and lose than it is to play well against a bottom half side and, and lose so yeah I think Fulham really well set up um, for going forward in the future there are those underlying number issues but I think really, really clear guidelines for how you might start solving some of those problems.
2: Yeah, I, I think it's absolutely like, intriguing, John, in terms of the way that, that Fulham don't adapt that, that gameplay. And, and to be honest, it feels like Fulham's style hasn't hugely changed home or away or opposition you know, facing throughout this season. It's been very much, this is how we want to play and we're going to try and impose on it. The first 20 minutes have been very, very high intensity and Fulham will drop off a bit, go again in the second half. What I'm interested in is, you know, obviously Fulham have alternate issues now in the, in the Alexander Mitrovic missing for however many games. We don't know yet at the point of recording. Marcus Silva missing a few games now and, and potentially more as well. And, and William missing for the next game. But Fulham's run in is relatively soft in terms of playing teams in the bottom half of the table. Bournemouth away next, then West Ham at home, then Everton away, then Leeds at home, then Villa away. Then there's a little spell of, of of City and Liverpool before it goes back to Leicester, Southampton, Palace and finishes at Man United. Is that reason for genuine optimism then in terms of trying to climb this table and and pick out that seventh spot? Obviously, Brighton have a lot of games in hand I think they might be looking at a top four challenge. Never mind a, a top six challenge at this point. But wh- where we're kind of looking at it, is that reason for, for Fulham fans to be optimistic going into this, considering that our best results have come against teams in the bottom half of the team.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. I I think that this season you have to put down as an unmitigated success. It's been perfect for you, for you guys. And I think um, when you, I mean for me, looking at that squad. Regardless of the of the great talent that you have, it's very much the the same sort of bedrock of a squad that you you've got promoted from the championship with. Um, I was tr- I was think about teams like Fulham, but promoted sides, right, where you're coming up, you're very much on a on a timeline, and you you, you set yourself goals, and you think when we get to this stepping stone we then have to look to the to the next um the the next goal the next stepping stone that we can then reach and I feel as though you've you've achieved your stepping stone this season um so in many respects like obviously it would be great for you guys to to finish the 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 season strongly um we did the same leads in in the first season where Bielsa came up and that was great and it's you know we have really good memories from that so I'm not downplaying that at all but I really think that the big stepping stone that you need to reach now is the is the summer and how you decide to, um, to, to build on, on the foundations of, of where you've been. Because again, I mentioned Leeds, we had that first season, we finished ninth. Um, and then obviously everything went wrong from that point onwards. So, um, for me, I think it's, it's going to be interesting to see how you build on, on the foundation of this, this season. How do you, um, st- start consolidating your, your place in in the Premier League. And I think, you know, momentum is, is important, but uh, I also, I also think that, as I've said, there needs to be some kind of ta- more flexible tactical approach against teams at the top half. Again, like it, it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because I feel as though, you know, it's, it's, it's to go from being like a comfortable uh, mid half of mid mid table side to, to being a, a team who are sort of pushing for Europe is, is not an easy step to make. It's so should be feels, the hardest
2: thing in the Premier League. I was yeah, thinking
1: about this the other day. Exactly. And I feel as though you guys, in many respects, you're ahead of the schedule, right? You yeah. you, you sort of think, right, stay up this season, build to become a mid-table team in the next few sides. Um, and so I, I always kind of think in these instances, it's it's interesting when an accelerated timescale on these things can, can kind of almost throws the, the, the apple cart a little bit. Um, so, yeah, I think that's what's going to be, super important, the players that you're going to bring in, the way that you manage your squad. There are certain players. I mean, William's been great for you this season, but obviously Willian is not a long-term squad player. Um, etc. There's 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 issues like that. You've got players like Polinia who are obviously playing incredible. That's going to make him very desirable, et cetera. How do you deal with those sorts of situations when 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 the worst Uh, thing occurs so I think for me that's the that's the big question with Fulham maybe that's maybe that's a miserable thing for me to come on a fan podcast and say because you guys are still well within the the middle of the season and you're enjoying your season Um, but yeah I I think that that's you've achieved what you need to achieve this season you can enjoy the rest of the season for what it is uh, but the next stepping stone is the summer.
0: One thing that I thought when watching the video John is how I wonder if the Premier League especially for teams that just want to stay up, do okay, Get into the top ten, and they if they can, and that is probably now about twelve of the twenty teams that are just looking to cling on, keep their status, keep their heads above water. It is interesting, like, and even if you look at the points per game, and you referenced it in the video, how Fulham have performed so much better in terms of points, but also um, expected goals for, expected goals against against that bottom ten side. And then in your the conclusion of your video was that if Fulham want to make more inroads against the top six sides, they need to change their style. I wonder, though, if Marco Silva and Luis Boamorte, and this might be easy to say with hindsight, looked at the league and looked at, right, how do we stay up this season? Actually, getting results against the big sides, playing like this is going to be extremely difficult. However, this style of football might work against those bottom 12 sides and actually trying to change it for Top six sides might have lost the kind of the rhythm, the the built in patterns that build in the play. So maybe, do you wonder if maybe Marco and Boa looked at this and went, Look, we're probably going to get battered against the top six playing this way. However, if we instill these patterns and the repetitive nature of it in every game, let's not change our system. It will breed results in the games that we need to win and okay, we might get lucky in those games against the top six, but it's most likely we're going to get beaten. And that's exactly what's happened.
1: Yeah. It's uh, again, to go back to Leeds, it's the Marcelo Bielsa thing, right? Where in our first season up, we, we beat everyone around us very comfortably. And then we got battered by some of the bigger sides. Um, and again, that comes down to what you're saying. Your, Your play style is as much about consistency as about flexibility. Um, in terms of the specifics of Fulham, I'd simply say that I, I used the example of the Arsenal game, um, just a, a few screenshots from that game to show how yeah. your forward press can get played around. Um, I think that's the sort of situation where maybe you can recognise that a team like Arsenal are going to be able to do that. And I don't think it's 100 100- Million miles away from playing a really aggressive high four four two press to playing a bit more of a conservative four four two mid block, which is what a lot of teams do in the Premier League. Um, again, maybe the feeling there is that well, if we play a four four two mid block that's a little bit more conservative, they're just going to play around us anyway. So we may as well try and uh, put put the opposition under pressure in their build up phase. Um, and this is why high presses are becoming more and more. Um, I mean consistently seen in the Premier League. Um, I think there's no surprises that you cause Manchester United a lot of problems with a with a high, high-ish press, high aggressive press, because they have struggled against teams this season, actually, where they've tried to build up through um, their, their pressing uh, structure, especially, I think, teams in the bottom half where they've sort of acted as though you know, when it happens when Arsenal are playing them or, or Man City are playing them, they're quite happy to just go over the press and 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 play quite transitionally. Um, but when it's come to teams like Leeds again, for example, um Southampton caused them problems, you caused them problems in that in that FA Cup game, um, they're gonna always try and consistently build through. So I think there's certain situations where you can look at a game like Manchester United and say they have build-up problems, let's let's be aggressive in our pressing because that's probably going to give us the best option. But I, I do think that it's it's not like a huge stylistic shift to, to be able to be quite variable in your pressing. And to, to be honest, I think that Fulham are quite good at that usually. I think that there's certain phases of play when, when you are, I mean, you are good at, at, at moving between your mid-block to your high press. It's just that against certain teams it's actually gone wrong and then you've been wide open and that's almost where the big chances come from, I think.
2: Yeah, I mean, this is one of those things. It's not necessarily about looking at it, I suppose, from Marcus Silver's perspective, at the very least. From our perspective, it's very easy to look at it as top half and bottom half teams, right? But actually, what Fulham maybe need to look at in the summer is just being able to adapt to different opponents, right? Rather than it being like, oh, OK, we're throwing a team in the bottom half. We should We should go full throttle.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and uh, you know the, the top half, bottom half thing is just a heuristic like device to be able to distinguish between where a lot of the bad yeah, okay. numbers are coming from. Um, it, it's very much going to come down to those those stylistic things, but yeah, I think that that's precisely it. I think that's why so much of what Premier League football is about now has become about flexibility. So again, Arsenal, we've talked about them loads on on the TFO channel. This season, and the, the big thing that they've developed in the last season and a half has been the ability to be flexible in their build-up phase, so they can shift their shape, they can they can respond to opposition um, problems that are caused in game without a huge amount of input from the manager. And again, you've, you've mentioned that with Marco Silva coming up into the, and, and Fulham coming up into the Premier League, it may be as much about uh, just getting settled in that specific style of play and we may see more flexibility uh, in certain situations emerging as, as time goes by. When he gets a full preseason, those are the times to, to sort of work on these things again. So it's not just about bringing in better players to be able to be more flexible and to be able to solve those problems just through the, the talent ceiling that you, that you start hitting. It's also about having you know, the tactical flexibility to be able to solve those problems in game as well without a huge amount of, of, of input from the sidelines because I think everyone thinks of coaching as being like you know the coach tells them what to do from the sideline they do it and it works out but it's very much not the case i think you don't really have a huge impact on on the game from the sideline as a coach um, unless you have the ability to be flexible and say right we've practiced this other system let's implement that in the second half see where it gets us um so yeah i think again, time is your friend and you have plenty of time. You have time now to probably work on tactical stuff in the run-in towards the end of the season. You'll have the summer, et cetera. So yeah, I, I think the the upshot of everything that I'm saying is that, um, it's all, it's all sunny in, in, in Fulham right now.
0: Thank, thankfully. Um, if there was a player of the season vote right now, John, I imagine that probably, uh, we would vote for. I imagine Jao Pellini is going to win it. I I reckon Tim Ream's going to come close. I reckon Kenny Tete uh, will be up there. But one player that you picked out who I think is quite underrated in Fulham circles, but seems to be a massive reason as to our success defensively of conceding fewer goals than would have been expected is Bernd Leno. And and in your video, you specifically picked him out as a big reason um, why Fulham are performing better than, than might have been expected.
1: Yeah, so much of that is uh, the uh, overperformance of the underlying defensive numbers in particular comes from Bern Leno. So I used a, a metric that uh, that we call post-shot expected goals, which is just a fancy way of saying, you know, when the ball's arrowing towards the goal, how likely is it to go in on the basis of where the goalkeeper is positioned and how quick it's going and the, the trajectory of the ball. Um, and yeah, I think a big chunk is about six, six goals of of, 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 around eight goals of over performance. I think it's shifted a little bit recently, but roughly that was, was coming from Burnt Leno. So again, absolutely inspired, um, signing to bring in at the beginning of the season to bring in a goalkeeper who is known for his shot stopping. Um, because as, as, as we say, you know, that, that has made a big difference to Fulham, but again, it, it it, it, there's it's almost a sort of, there's a flip side to that, which is you've got to recognize that that underperformance, that overperformance probably won't last forever. And so you have to make sure that you you take steps in the, the coming months and the summer to make sure that you avoid putting Leno under so much pressure that he has to overperform to um uh, to allow Fulham to, to do as well as they've done to, a, to an extent
0: yeah well look um if anyone wants to uh get a bit more context of what we're talking about here make sure that you check out um John's video which is on the Tifo IRL YouTube channel um and generally if you're into your football tactics and just generally what's happening in different football games then that that YouTube channel uh with, uh, with not just John uh, also uh, JJ and uh, and all the other great people that are involved in Tifo is a fantastic channel to follow if you're not already i be surprised if you uh listen to this podcast and don't follow Tifa, but maybe you don't but particularly for this video um make sure you you check it out it's a, it's a real little uh 12 30 minute education on how fulham have played this season and uh, it was a very very enjoyable watch um john thanks so much for coming on fulhamish and, and chatting to us today and uh yeah hopefully we'll get you on nice uh hopefully we'll get you on again soon
1: yeah thanks very much and hopefully the rest of the season goes wonderfully well for you
0: Part three of the Fulhamish podcast, Sammy here, back with Jack. Thank you so much to John McKenzie from the TIFO IRL channel for chatting to us today. Uh, Let's do a few emails and then this will catch on as ever at the end. Uh, First email today uh, from TJ Fogarty. Uh, This is a really interesting one and um, one that feels a bit like when we discussed um, about... Mitrovic earlier this season and like it didn't feel quite right this one feels a bit weird but i think is a conversation that could or should be had sometime soon so anyway tj says should the captain's armband be permanently given to someone else it feels like tc's days as a starter are done and the armband should be given to someone at the club who's going to be playing week in week out. However, I don't know exactly who I'd give it to because if you run down our strongest lineup, there are reasons not to give the captaincy to a lot of players. Um, He basically then runs down the team, says players like, you know, Diop's not been here long enough. Polina could be good, but he'll be off to greener pastures. Um, Reed, um, good player to potentially be the captain, but he might be dropped in the future. Um, Reem, Again, where is the longevity there? And actually, TJ says that Bobby Decker Dover-Reed would potentially be his pick. Passionate, being here through the ups and downs. High enough quality that we'll probably see him for the foreseeable future. Don't know if he's much of a leader, but again, it's quite hard to gauge that from a TV across the pond. Um, he said, "Would love to hear your thoughts on this. I know T C is beloved, and I absolutely love him and want to see him retire here. But at some point, the club surely has to look to the future." One thing I wanted to get your thoughts on here, Jack. I listened to the Ranks FC podcast, which you did, about uh, ranking Premier League captains. Um, I think Sam gave T C about thirteenth out of twenty, which I was actually like thought was quite a nice um, rating for for T C. What was fascinating is how few. Premier League captains regularly play for their clubs. And therefore, is it that essential that TC plays that often? No, it's not. No, it's not. It's not
2: that important at all. I don't think Look, I'm a big fan of the idea of captaincies, right? Like the the concept of them appeals to me. I think it's one of those things that I really enjoy. But I don't think this matters at all. And I, I think that it's one of those where You can have, and uh, you do regularly have, especially at Premier League clubs, the captain being someone and the on field playing captain who starts every week being someone else, which is what Fulham have, right? At the moment, Tim Ream basically wears the armband until TC comes on, unless TC starts. That's okay. We have a captaincy and a leadership group within. the background. I believe that Harrison Reed is part of it as well, um, but there is a leadership group, and I believe Alexander Mitrovic is part of it. So you, you look at this and you think, okay, that's fine. What we have here is people being leaders in different areas of the pitch, different areas of the squad, bringing through different elements of leadership to different parts of the club, and that's completely and utterly fine. We know Tim Ream. You know, even without that, does a lot of work with the foundation. Who does, you know, a lot of work it, it, with kind of Fulham's charitable arms, um, making sure that he's he, he's available for those kind of things. We know that that TC has a, as a role as as a club ambassador. We saw him going on Radio One Extra this week to say goodbye to Rhys Parkinson, who's left the left One Extra after a while and is a big Fulham fan. Nice. Those are kind of areas that. Fulham's captaincy group can step up and and make happen. And I really don't think it's that big a deal. I often think that, interestingly, in Italy and in Spain especially, there's a lot of captaincies you see given who are just the longest-serving player at a club. It doesn't really matter whether they are a brilliant leader or they are playing every week. They're just often the longest-serving player. And I'm not saying that's what this is. But I think that, especially on the continent, captaincy probably matters less than we think it does maybe in the UK. And I think that with Fulham, with this captaincy group, with everything here, I'm very comfortable with the way that things are being run in that regard. And I I don't think we need to change. it. I completely understand the concept of what TJ is saying and that, you know, at some point you're going to have to look to it. But I think that if the captaincy group, two or three of them were going to leave at one point, you'd bring new people into that group. And then the people who were maybe not necessarily bottom of the tree, I don't think it's a, it's a tree, but the people who were uh, maybe asked to do less, I think Harrison Reed, we don't see all that much of in terms of doing media appearances, et cetera, might then step up into the roles that the players have left would, would take. So I, I think it's working fine and I, I wouldn't change it right now. So I, I, Although I, I do appreciate the question.
0: I think the time I doubted TC's captaincy was when he first got it when it seemed uh, the right choice was was Kevin McDonald to be captain. And we weren't sure about TC's attitude of being captain. You know, he regularly stormed off the pitch when we lost and I felt like he didn't handled the captaincy brilliantly in the first couple of years. But actually right now, I think I think we're seeing the fruits of giving TC the captaincy quite early on in his time at Fulham. And now I think he's blossomed into almost like the perfect captain, really. I think he I think he leads by example. He's still playing in every match this season when he's not been injured, even if it's just been mostly off the bench. I, I think that we have right now a really great captaincy option. There's going to come a time where Tom Kearney hangs up his boots and has his testimonial and we're going to have to think about who's the next captain. That's that's a decision um, for then. But right now, I think we're in a very, very good place with captaincy and I'm very happy with it being Tom slash Tim, basically, as to who's on the pitch. So um, yeah, I certainly don't feel like it's a, a cause for concern right now, but I do appreciate the point, um, TJ. Thank you very much for emailing I, I in. I think you've just doubled down on
2: something that's really important there, is that, the captaincy group is one thing. And so like Tim Ream being the captain of, you know, on the pitch this season when TC isn't playing, fine. All those things. Alexander Mitrovic too. Harrison Reed, fine. Um, I think the question comes when TC, as you say, retires or, or leaves the club, in which case, I don't know if you promote Tim Ream to be club captain at this point, considering that we think that he's into his twilight years at the top level you know at that point maybe you have to make a serious reconsideration of who you want your captain to be for the next 3 4 years as opposed to just shotgun giving it to the person who's worn the armband of, of late that that's when i think the decision needs to be made but for now i would i would imagine that there needs to be no real discussion amongst that as long as tc remains within the club and i can't see that changing thankfully this summer
0: Well, I think TC's here for a long time now because, I mean, we actually talked about this last night, Jack, about how TC's at this point now where he's very, very comfortable with what he's doing. I don't think he's going to get a bigger move with the stage that he's at in his career. Obviously he's had his problems with injuries and playing full 90 minutes and we said last night we don't really know where, what position TC is anymore apart from that he does do the coming on the pitch and playing quarterback so well um, and, and I think he seems quite comfortable with it I think Fulham are very happy to have such a classy option off the bench um, so it just seems like TC being at Fulham for 3-4 more years I mean he's almost certainly going to get the old testimonial.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Absolutely.
2: Let's, uh, let's make sure it's a, it's a what, crackerjack.
0: What a day the TC and, um, and a Tim Ream testimonial will be. I, I want the cottage packed for that fulham versus blackburn bolton combined elephant yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> just probably like tc's hollywood mates isn't it just like a rolls royce of like just players from the championship and premier we'll have League two one against years. scotland <laughs> one yeah against, one against the us <laughs> um next question from oh sorry he actually wants to stay anonymous uh for this um it's about tony khan um he says hi fellas Um, Tony Khan has been a controversial figure in the club since his father purchased FFC from Al Fayed. Rightly or wrongly, TC has come in for some criticism from the fan base for his self-appointed role as director of football due to some subpar seasons where recruitment has been poor. On top of that, an ill-advised social media presence and some questionable side projects do not do him any favours. Now, this emailer is saying, I'm not pro or anti-TK, mostly because I have no idea what goes on behind the scenes. And even though I agree some recruitment decisions have been reflected badly on him, I'm not sure all the blame for seasons where we've struggled can be placed solely at his door. However, I do believe with the money the Cans have invested into the club and its infrastructure, they have good intentions for FFC. Um, Obviously, he says this season, Fulham are sitting pretty in the Premier League, um, pretty much safe. Uh, reached an FA Cup quarter final, so my question is: We've been quick to lambast TK for his perceived failures, but this season is he due some praise? And That's cheers from someone that doesn't want to uh, be drawn into maybe some of the anti-TK the dogfight. Yeah,
2: I agreed. Um, yeah, yeah, of course he does. Of course he does. I mean, we've always said this, right? Praise when it's due, criticism when it's due. Those are the those are things. And you look at this season and the players brought in. And um, a lot of them have been major successes. Pelinia, obviously, for an undisclosed fee. Pereira, uh, Leno, Diop, Willian, where very few would have taken a chance on, on Willian. They, I mean, it hasn't been an you know unmitigated success. You look at Mbabu, that one didn't work out. I think a lot of people, there are questions still over Carlos Vinicius, although for the fee that we got him for, I think that it's a relatively good deal. Um, and a little bit of manoeuvring to get Shane Duffy in as a permanent transfer when we when, when it when it mattered in January in order to secure Cedric I, I think was smart a little bit of business maneuvering now there are questions over what the drill you know what the drill was with Mana Solomon and if Fulham have, have you know made a mistake there in terms of not signing him on a permanent deal um, there will be questions asked over some of the the loan deals as well I think if Daniel James is really been the success that Fulham expected from him, Kazawa. Maybe similar questions, but generally, I think this question, this season, and and to look at it, and I think that one of the big things that we're looking at now is getting these youngsters on permanent contracts. We saw, obviously, Luke Harris a couple of uh, weeks ago sign, but there was there was a new deal for Ollie O'Neill as well, and and I think that that's important for the academy and for the development of things. Considering we've seen Fabio Harvey Elliott walk away on. You know, cheap deals that probably didn't reflect their true quality. Um, actually, what, what what's been done with the academy, I think, is has, has been smart. So, yeah, credit where credit's due. Um, obviously, all of this isn't probably doesn't come under the same jurisdiction. Uh, we don't know where those jurisdictions are, but it, it, it's one of those where I basically agree with with everything that our anonymous friend has, has said.
0: I think for me, it's everything's become a little bit more actually opaque in who make the decisions it doesn't seem to be all tk silver seems to have uh, a big influence on our on our transfers and actually i think it's correct that that pressure has been taken off tk as this like sole focal point of all our transfers and now it's actually genuinely not that clear who is making our signings i think tk is referred to in various interviews that whilst he is hands on every day He also runs a lot of projects and is very busy with AEW. All I'm saying is that I'm whatever is the actual process now, whoever's running it, whoever is doing it, whatever the structure is, which is hard for us, impossible for us to know, is working. TK clearly has an influence and. I think has probably learned from a lot of his his mistakes. Great. Probably good to have his insight now. He he probably understands the market a lot better than he did five years ago when he made those mistakes. But also, it seems like there's some smart people in there making smart decisions. And as long as this formula, whatever it is, with a bit of buy-in from the manager, a bit of buy-in from TK, a bit of buy-in from other people who we probably don't even know their names, whatever that is... Keep doing it because, yeah, there's no way that you can holistically look at the signings in the last two seasons, really, and have many complaints. Yes, there is one or two names, as you mentioned, in Babu a season further back. The Rodrigo Muniz experiment hasn't worked either yet, but right now. I think everything's in quite a good place. So yeah, thank you uh, anonymous emailer. Bring me
2: gift orban this summer from Ghent and I will uh, and I will bow down.
0: Maybe you're the anonymous person that uh, we don't know is uh, working in the team. Maybe you're one of the people that uh... I thought you
2: were going to say good. the anonymous person that wrote the letter. I was no, like, no, no, if I had no. something to say, I would almost certainly just say it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, this one from Peter O'Connor says, Dear Fulhamish team, love the pod. What a season we're having. My question is, what positions do you think we need to strengthen most in the summer, regardless of losing anyone in the squad? Uh, and then Peter says, for me, it's the wing. Given Solomon and Dan James aren't permanent, Williams contract is up, Niskin's contract um, and uh, Achilles problem uh, and then Wilson and BDR doesn't give us much depth and um, yeah he also asks uh, who are we in most danger of losing this summer to the interests of others um, so I guess there's two questions there where do we need to strengthen the most and who are we most likely to lose
2: Well, I think one feeds off two right so we start with two which yeah. is who are we most like to lose and and the answer sadly I think is Joplinia. Um although Fulham can demand a major premium for him considering he's on a six year contract and you know, and has has had a very very good first season. So there's that. Um, there's been rumours flying around about Andreas Pereira as well, but mm. I, I think Fulham are more likely to hang on to Pereira, if if I'm being perfectly honest. Uh, and then there's always the Anthony Robinson thing that kind of sits in the background uh, as one of those. Plus Mana Solomon, as as was mentioned in the email. So there you are. I, I agree. I think the wing, the wing depth needs, the wing core need, needs depth. Obviously, if Solomon could come in as a, a, as a full-time transfer, that would, that would ease some of those problems. Um, but yeah, I think, I think Fulham need a winger or three. Um, Jesper Carlson, I would like from RZ Alkmaar. He's a Swedish winger who is, exceptional and it uh, reminds me a little bit of, of, of Willian when he was younger. I think he's going right to the top. So there's one for, the, uh, for our anonymous scouts listening. A flat pack, um, Willian. Yeah, with Jesper Carlson. Really, really like him. Plays nice. as a 10 from a wide position. So it's, really, it's a really interesting dynamic, which I think would fit. It uh, goes back to what John was saying earlier, or what John says on his video about Fulham tucking their wingers in in order to allow the fullbacks to rampage forward a little bit. Um, I think we probably need another centre-back if I'm being perfectly honest. And I think we need some depth at left back. Maybe someone that can challenge Anthony Robinson for that starting role. Because I, I think that Kazawa has done okay as long as he was in the FA Cup. Um, he struggled in other games. Um, but mostly that injury record has meant that Anthony's played more games than perhaps we would have liked him to. and And so... I think we need a little bit of depth there at left back. I think we need some wingers and I think we need a centre back. But if Polinia goes, then we're going to need a replacement very, very quickly.
0: Um, I've got so many emails from people um, and some of them were addressed on last Thursday's uh, thing about what happened in the Man United game. I did promise this was going to be a Man United free podcast. I'm going to leave them for now. I'm probably going to leave them full stop. I think there was so much, you know, everyone kind of had something to say about it. I think maybe until the bands come out, maybe then we can open some of those out again, but currently we don't know what it is. So I'm going to leave some of the Man United stuff might come back to it in future podcasts. Once the Metro ban is announced and uh, especially if it's a controversial decision by the FA, then maybe we'll revisit it another time. Let's do a couple of this will catch ons before we finish. Uh, the first one uh, we were just talking about him is for Anthony Robinson. This one is by Simon BLB says hi, Hi, Fulhamish Crew. Thank you for your amazing content. Have not missed a pod since you launched and I absolutely love it. I felt compelled to send in a chant for Anthony Robinson, seeing as he doesn't have one, or at least I've never heard one in H4. He's such an important player for us and definitely deserves his own charm, especially now Kenny Tete Baby is sung so often. So here goes. Please forgive me as I am not musical and my voice is poor, but I really hope that perhaps the chorus is simple enough to catch on. All the best. Come on, you whites. Um. I have a feeling that this kind of is the chant, it's just never sung. But anyway, I think he's <laughs> on the right track.
1: Yes As is to you, Anthony
2: Robinson. of loves you more than you will know. Whoa! whoa, whoa. You have the force, Jedi
1: Robinson. Still holds <laughs> a hold the place for life, Hey, hey, hey. Hey,
0: hey. There is a verse. We'd like
2: to
1: know a little bit about your magic tricks. <laughs> We'd like to help you
2: learn more magic on the pitch. <laughs> Look around you, all you see are loving full fans. Sporting you and ground until you feel at home. Robinson, Fuller loves you more than you will know. Whoa, you have the force, Jedi Robinson. Robinson. Silver holds a place for lightning days. Hey, 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 hey. I like it. It is. I think you're right in that I think that that is a, officially the chart. It just hasn't, it hasn't really gone since the Orion Sessignon days, right? And then it, did it not then become a Ryan Frederick's chart for a while? And then I think it's now been, changed. I also think it's, and here's to you, Tony Robinson, surely. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I like the uh, alternate second line. There, here's to you, Jedi Robinson. You, yeah. have, the, you have the force, Jedi Robinson. Good fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I, I think that the first two lines should go, I, I think it will remain as his song. It's just never really... I think when you take a chant from one person to another, it never really has the same effect. We had this with Scott Malone, didn't we? And they changed it to Ryan Fredericks and it never really it never really went in the same way.
0: I think also just the thing is with Anthony, he doesn't score that many goals. And actually his performances are like... Tete. <laughs> No, but Kenny, I don't know. There's something about the way that Anthony plays. It doesn't feel like sometimes like there's natural moments to like sing for him. I, I don't know what it is, but I mean, that is the chant for Anthony Robinson. I have thought for a while that pretty much everyone else in this team has some sort of a chant. And whilst I always thought if there was a chant, that was the one for Anthony Robinson. Um, it's just never really like caught on, as the uh, as the name suggests. Anyway, coach. Simon, maybe your effort will help it uh, to catch on uh, in future games. Uh, the final one, as promised, we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, Sam Witcher, who sent in uh, more than one, this will catch on. He did the um, More Than a Woman by the Bee Gees for Man uh, Manos Solomon. Anyway, um, Sam sent in three, so we're going to play another one, um, which is uh, for Bobby Reed to the tune of shine jesus shine did absolute you sing classic absolute did you sing classic. shine jesus shine jack in uh, in assembly obviously an absolute stone cold assembly ba- yeah, banger it's a banger it's um, right up and- there with
2: colors of day and he's got the whole world in his hands
0: <laughs> so um yeah uh, i mean hymns have always traditionally done well as songs so let's see if uh, sam's uh, version of a popular hymn for bobby reed does as well
2: Oh, great background as well. See the speed of his
1: runs. He's lightning. Change of pace with a skill. He's frightening. Cardiff loaned him and sold him
2: to us. They beat us for two. And he scored against us. He's or over. Not deep. i Dude. that's gonna be in my head for weeks yeah like I mean fundamentally that... i'm just not gonna have to stop singing that for ages <laughs> very good well done sam Love uh, it. that made me laugh
0: um speaking of chants for bobby reed um we don't tend to read them out anymore but we were tagged on this a few times on uh, on twitter so it feels right to mention it uh, a tweet by connor Hugh. Um, a, a chant for for Bobby Reed, which is to Rhythm is a Dancer. So it's Rhythm is a Dancer. BDR's the answer. You won't stop him if you dare. Coming from Jamaica to be Fulham's saviour. You can play him everywhere. Whoa, Degadova. Whoa. Then it goes, you should see him in the air. Yeah, it kind of works. Yeah. I mean, it's a good chant. I think um, I've heard United sing that for, is it Martial? Anthony, maybe? I definitely heard clubs use rhythm as a dancer as a, as a choice. We we used to use it for (laughs) very fun. Oh yeah.
2: Rhythm is a dancer. Very the answer. He can score from everywhere. Came to us from Braga up top with Kamara. Even scores them in the air. Yeah.
0: I never heard that though. they never caught. A classic. Really it away. It your way. way. A good day. What a day. Anyway, a uh, few people tweeted us in that, uh, tagged us in that. So thought I'd give it a mention, a customary mention at the end of this to catch on. And that'll do for today's podcast. Thank you very much uh, for listening. Um, I've got a few three word pod names uh, to choose from here. Jack, if you'd like to um, yes. from our Fulhamish community, um, Joshua Dawes says vital three points. Um, which may be a little bit uh, premonitious uh, Rachel Stevens It's Boa Time um, Alex Pemberton Onwards and Southwards um, Lucy Showme, Spring Forward Time uh, what were those which would, would, would you like? Spring Forward Time is good that's nice yeah. like that lot yeah. a reference well, to I'll the do. time of year and also yeah. what Fulham need to do <laughs> thank you very much for listening today and thank you to Jack for being on it's been a real pleasure Uh, George is going to be hosting the podcast Post Bournemouth looking back at everything that happens in that match and then the Thursday Club will return this time next week. So have a lovely weekend, whatever you're doing. Come on, you whites. You You whites.